something happened this past week that made it perfect for a quicker, shorter Friday with Fritz episode. So, I don't think there's any, like, beating around the bush with it. I'm talking about the Google memo. Yeah, the, the Google memo that got so heavily reported on and how the news media manipulates us into seeing things the way that they want to sell it. All of that. That's what this Friday with Fritz is all about. So get ready. We gotta tackle it. And rather than wait till Monday's episode, let's just do it now. It's Friday with Fritz. Brought to you by... FritzCast. Get your A-game on, guys. It's Friday, August 11th, 2000. And 17, and how are you all doing today, this lovely Friday? Second Friday off ever for me on Friday, Saturdays. And let's see, I've gotten so much yard work done. I am now, you know, I just, spur of the moment, uh, I've been catching up on my podcast. I've been listening a lot about North Korea. Don't really want to talk about North Korea. In fact, I posted a blog just the other day. On fritzcast.wordpress.com. Listen to me, I'm shilling for myself. What a sellout. I posted a blog about the race to Armageddon and how insane all of that seems. If I had to say something about North Korea right now, and it'll probably come up on Monday's regular broadcasted, regular scheduled broadcasted episode of Fritzcast every Monday. Probably we'll talk a little bit about how... I don't think people are looking at the more humane side of this issue. It's real easy to skim over the words of Kim Jong-un and say he's a crazy guy. But, you know, listening to Glenn Beck, for example, and he had this great guest on this past week. Great guest that wrote a book. And the book is titled Dear Reader, The Unauthorized Autobiography of Kim Jong-il as dictated to Michael Malice. Michael Malice, a very interesting character, if you will. Uh, Author, columnist, media personality. Uh, He's the subject matter of the graphic uh, novel Ego and Hubris by late Harvey Peeker of the American Splendor fame. Uh, Author author of the book I just mentioned. He's co-authored several books, contributed to many others. Born... In Soviet Union, family escaped when he was very young, came to America, loves America, doesn't love, well, really anything else. And he talks very candidly about North Korea, Kim, the, the Kim Jong family, uh, the, the evil empire that these guys have set up, because uh, they're truly evil people. And that's the thing, they're not crazy. Everybody, everybody's quick to say crazy, fat, stupid dummies, and they lump North Korea in with all of that. There's many, many. The North Korean people are nothing but slaves, nothing but pawns in the game of Kim Jong Il and the Kim Jong family. Nothing but pawns. Practically slaves, if you will. The the things that are going on over there. We'll talk about that on Monday, though. But just if you're looking for things to listen to over the weekend, uh, I would absolutely implore you check out Michael Malice on the Glenn Beck program. He, he was on twice this past week. Amazing. Well, I'm not going to say amazing, but very interesting and intriguing backstory. Intriguing take on North Korea. Intriguing take on uh, Donald Trump's recent statements about 
raining fire and fury on North Korea, which people ridiculously equating that to Trump threatening nuclear warfare, kind of ridiculous. And that kind of ties into my blog post titled The Race to Armageddon. So check that out while you're at it too. But I wanted to focus on the Google memo, the thing that over over you know overtook the airwaves for a good day and a half or longer about how Google fired an employee who wrote up this internalized memo, uh, a 10-page memo in fact, in which the news slammed as completely sexist and misogynistic that this guy wrote like a, a hit piece on women practically. And that's what was reported. That's what was, that's what the news reported to everybody. The news said this guy got fired from Google, very high paying position, uh, very well educated man. All over this, uh, all over this sexist, misogynistic memo that he typed up for Google, and Google just slammed the door in his face. Now. Sorry, I'm taking a little drink break. Uh, you know, it's a Friday, so let's you know drink a little bit. I'm drinking a blueberry ale from Blue Point Brewing Company, which so happens to state at the very top of the bottle. It says, please remove bottle cap before drinking. The Brewers. Handy advice. Now, uh, one of the articles that I liked to pick out right off the, right off the bat when talking about this is uh, an article from The Atlantic titled, uh, The Most Common Error in the Media Coverage of the Google Memo. Subtext. Many headlines labeled the document anti-diversity misleading readers about its actual contents. This week, headlines across a diverse array of media outlets proclaim that at least one Google employee was so antagonistic to women that he circulated a 10-page anti-diversity screed. That is how Gizmodo characterized the now infamous internal memo when publishing it Saturday. Similar language was used in the headlines at Fox News, CNN, ABC News, the BBC, NBC News, Time, Slate, Engadget, The Huffington Post, PBS, Fast Company, and beyond, including a fleeting appearance in the headline here at The Atlantic. But I love or hate... Oh, sorry. But love or hate the memo, which makes a number of substantive claims, some of which I regard as wrong-headed and which would have benefited greatly from an editor with more emotional intelligence than the, than the author to help him avoid alienating his audience, even if he was determined to raise all of the same arguments, the many characterizations of the memo as anti-diversity are inaccurate. Using that shorthand is highly misleading. As many who read the past headlines would later observe, its author, who was later fired, began, quote, I value diversity and inclusion, am not denying that sexism exists, and don't endorse using stereotypes. When addressing the gap in representation in the population, we need to look at a population-level differences in distributions. If we can't have an honest discussion about this, then we can never truly solve the problem. Listen to that. Does that sound like somebody who's trying to rile up a bunch of people, who has a an opinion that is going to make a lot of people angry. It sounds to me like the guy knows what he's going to say, is going to evoke some emotional responses from people, and he's trying to say, listen, 
I'm not trying to be discriminatory here. I'm I'm trying to boil down some some other things and look at things from a different level. This article continues on saying the balance of his memo argues that he is not against pursuing greater gender diversity at Google. He says it's against the current means Google is using to pursue that end and the way the company conceives of trade-offs between the good of diversity and other goods. He wants to use different means to address the problem. He insists and doubts that the trade-offs are getting to a staff of 50% men and 50% women would be worth it, a position implicitly shared by every company that doesn't have gender parity in its workforce. He may be incoherent, or he may be incorrect, but even in the substance of every viewpoint that he expressed is wrongheaded, and even if Google must make huge strides in its treatment of women, that won't make characterizing the memo as anti-diversity screed any more accurate. The author specifically objects to using what his memo calls discriminatory means to achieve greater gender diversity, then adds that he has concrete suggestions for changes to Google that would, quote, increase women's representation in tech and without resorting to discrimination. In his telling, this could be achieved by making software engineering, quote, more people-oriented with pair programming and more collaboration and changes that would, quote, allow those exhibiting cooperative behavior to thrive as well as offering more opportunities for employees to work part-time. You can see, like, some of the things that have popped up from his memo. And he opened up, he opened up his memo, mind you, with those statements of valuing diversity. He also, in his opening statements, stated, quote, Psychological safety is built on mutual, mutual respect and acceptance, but unfortunately our culture of shaming and misrepresentation is disrespectful and unaccepting of anyone outside its echo chamber. Despite what the public response seems to have been, I've gotten many personal messages from fellow Googlers expressing their gratitude for bringing up these very important issues, which they agree with but would never have the courage to say or defend because of our shaming culture and the possibility of being fired. This needs to change. Here's where some of the controversial stuff came in. He has a section in this memo with the header, Personality Differences, where he states, quote, Women on average have more openness directed towards feelings and aesthetics rather than ideas. Women generally also have a stronger interest in people rather than things, relative to men, also interpreted as empathizing versus systemizing. Subtext to this, quote, These two differences in part explain why women relatively, relatively prefer jobs in social or artistic areas. More men like coding because it requires systemizing, and even within SWEs, comparatively, more women work on front end, which deals with both people and aesthetics. Next section, quote, Extroversion expressed as gregariousness rather than assertiveness. Also, hireable, higher agreeableness. This leads to women generally having a harder time negotiating salary, asking for raises, speaking up, and leading. Note that these are just average differences, and there's overlap between men and women, but this is seen solely as a women's issue. This leads to exclusory programs like stretch and swaths of men without support. 
Neuroticism, higher anxiety, lower stress tolerance. This may contribute to higher levels of anxiety. Women report on uh, Googleized and to the lower number of women in high-stress jobs. Note that contrary to what social construction constructionists would argue, research suggests that greater na national-level gender equality leads to psych psychological dissimilarity in men's and women's personality traits. Because as society becomes more prosperous and more egalitarian, innate dispositional differences between men and women have more space to develop and the gap that exists between men and women in their personality traits become wider, we need to stop assuming that gender gaps imply sexism. Further down in his memo, he has a section called Non-Discriminatory Ways to Reduce the Gender Gap. He states, quote, Below I'll go over some of the differences in distri distribution of traits between men and women that I outlined in the previous section and suggest ways to address them to increase women's representation in tech without resorting to discrimination. Google is already making strides in many of these areas, but I think it's still instructive to list them. They go by bullet points. Number one, women on average show higher interest in people and men in things. We can make software engineering more people-oriented with pair programming and more collaboration. Unfortunately, there may be limits to how people-oriented certain roles at Google can be, and we shouldn't deceive ourselves or students into thinking otherwise. Some of our programs to get female students in the coding might be doing this. Women on average are more cooperative. Allow the, those exhibiting cooperative behavior to thrive. Recent updates to PREF may be doing this to an extent, but maybe there's more we can do. This doesn't mean that we should remove all, competitive, all competitiveness from Google. Competitiveness and self-reliance can be valuable traits, and we shouldn't necessarily disadvantage those that have them, like what's been done in education. Women, on average, are prone are more prone to anxiety, make tech and leadership less stressful. Google already partly does this with its many stress reduction courses and benefits. Women on average look for more work-life balance while men have a higher drive for status on average. Unfortunately, as long as tech and leadership remains high status, lucrative careers, men may disproportionately want to be in them, allowing and truly endorsing as part of our culture part-time work, though can keep more women in tech. And finally, the male gender role is currently inflexible. Feminism has made great progress in freeing women from the female gender role, but men are still very much tied to their male gender roles. If we as a society allow men to become more feminine, then the gap will shrink, although probably because men will, ha will leave tech and leadership for traditionally feminine roles. Okay, now, uh, if you want to read the memo, you can just... Just type in the Google memo, and you will find it on a number of websites with ridiculous amounts of commentary. You won't find mine in the search engine, however. It should be noted that this guy, um, James Damore, it, it's not like he's a dummy. He was, he's, he was working at Google. He was working at Google. He had some very high-end college education behind him. Listen to my friend Stephen Crowder on this issue. Just a clip, just a snippet, okay? Not the whole spiel. If you want the whole spiel, go to Stephen, go to louderwithcrowder.com and get it. Or on the YouTubes if you if you must. There was the Google memo mm -hmm. that went out, as they are calling it, the Anti-Diversity Manifesto. Yes. 
Now, uh, this news developed so fast, this happened after we aired last night. Google fired the employee who wrote the memo in record time. Record yeah. time. Record time, the guy Big just long. got absolutely canned. And as of this morning, the rumor is that Google has already replaced the employee in the spirit of diversity. She's actually a single black mother, transgender, pansexual, undocumented immigrant with a PhD in women's studies, and she has rickets. So she is a modern <laughs> marvel. But she checks never, the boxes. Yeah, never firing that so, one. <laughs> she's a neg negative attribute. They, they not only fired him, the CEO took time out of his vacation to condemn this. As though, as though it was that yeah. outlandish and that offensive. So here, this is what the CEO said. We strongly support the right of Googlers to express themselves. Wait for it. <laughs> However, portions of the memo violate our code of conduct and cross the line by advancing harmful gender stereotypes in our workplace. Well, it doesn't do that. We'll get to that in a second. To suggest a group of our colleagues have traits that make them less biologically suited to that work is offensive and like a 14-year-old girl, he says, not okay. <laughs> All caps. Because that's okay. how you talk to an actual <laughs> misogynist or an actual Klansman. That's not okay, bro. Not okay. It's not cool. Put, put you in your place, bro. To rape. It's not okay. I highly recommend that people go, and, and now it's out there, read the full memo yeah. for context. Don't take our word for it. This is what he goes out of his way, and Ben Shapiro highlighted this too, in the original memo. You tell me if this is gender stereotypes. I'm not saying that all men differ from all women in the following ways, or that these differences are just. I'm simply stating that the distribution of preferences and abilities of men and women differ in part due to biological causes, and that these differences may explain why we don't see equal representation of women in tech and leadership. Many of these differences are small, and there's significant overlap between men and women. So you can't say anything about an individual given these population level distributions. And this is, this is what really bothers me when they say he just he just condemns women and says they're not fit no actually he, he he lists some areas where men might naturally be more effective than women not all as he just said but on the whole yeah. you know on average yeah. and then he goes on to list the qualities that women would naturally have or areas where women would naturally excel at over men like women in his own memo women on average show a higher interest in people and men in things that's a that's a good thing, good thing. Yeah. women on average are more cooperative and then here's something, subjective if you think it's, it's good or bad, I would say good women on average look for more work-life balance while men have a higher drive for status on average. Go back to the CEO, he says, the memo has clearly impacted our coworkers, some of whom are hurting and feel judged based on their gender. Um, so just so you know, this, this memo incredible. was so earth shatteringly offensive that some women at Google took a sick day. <laughs> The women were so offended that the memo insinuated they might handle stressful situations more emotionally that they decided work was too stressful to attend. Now, among the other things that uh, Damore brought up in this memo was uh, that Google isn't very inclusive to people who have, oh, I don't know, more conservative types of leanings. And not surprising, Silicon Valley is full of progressive liberal types of individuals and the conservatives kind of get snuffed out by that they kind of get uh, not discriminated against but not included and not included is kind of a form of discrimination I get his point in that he identifies himself as a classic liberal individual and this is something that I as an individual face on a daily basis when I talk politics with people there are conservatives who are just their diehard conservatives, and they don't like the fact that I won't fall in line with GOP standard, period, the end. Same thing can be said 
for my liberal friends who know where I fall on the liberal spectrum, but they don't respect or like the fact that I would say that the government is kind of like a business and kind of should be feared as such and therefore not be given that kind of you know power and sustain. Now, among this this talk of the memo and the arguments and all that, I don't think I don't think one person is arguing about the fact that Google has the right as a private organization to fire somebody that they feel does not fit their bill and they don't want on their team. Nobody's arguing that. What people are arguing is that Google claims to be all-inclusive and diverse and honoring opinions and, and, and a welcoming environment for all, yet here's a guy who puts out a 10-page memo of his opinion using different statistics and science and theories and all that to promote his opinion on how Google could better itself and, and be better at diversifying itself, albeit maybe not in the way that Google wants to do it. And they fired him for it. That's that's what happened. That's what happened. Is is, is that an all-inclusive environment? Does it, does it sound like Google was was, you know, open to this guy's dialogue to his to his ideas? No, not really. They fired him because of how the employees felt after the memo came out and as and after the news broke it out the way it broke it out. And and if you ask me at the end of the day, the memo was not as big a deal as the news made it out to be. And this brings up the interesting conversation. Are we allowed to have different ideas? Are we allowed to discuss it? Or are we too worried about offending people? Are we too worried about saying something that we believe or think, whether it's right or wrong, whether we can even argue about whether it's right or wrong? What kind of environment are we working in? You know, what kind of uh, culture are we promoting? That type of thing. This brought criticism against Google that I think is well-deserved towards Google. And here's the thing, though. I'm not going to get on a boycott Google bandwagon because uh, all my all my all my email accounts are Google. I use YouTube, which Google bought a, a, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And Google's at the core of everything. Now, mind you, while Google's at the core of everything, while Google's advancing this AI business that's going on and all that, Silicon Valley is now being looked at. And you hear all this thing, you hear about the diversity and inclusiveness and all that, but is it really diverse and inclusive if you're going to be on the right side of the political spectrum and kind of not liked or not fitting in and the environment isn't open to you because you're on the conservative spectrum? You're not on board over here on the extreme left. Or if even if you're in the middle, like me, being in the middle you're still not included because you're not all this way or all that way. Keep that in mind where you're thinking. I'm cutting it off right here, right now. I hope to see you guys clicking and listening on Monday where the focus will be some of this North Korea bullshit. Bullshit. See, that brings out my southern accent that's buried deep within myself, and I don't like bringing it out that often. We'll talk about North Korea, how we might be looking at things the wrong way, some things that Glenn Beck has brought up about why maybe we shouldn't be so antsy to go to war. 
You know, why why is the world itching for another goddamn war? All that and more is coming up Monday. Thanks for listening. This has been Fridays with Fritz, a Fritzcast special.